Well, pupils, we are back for episode three of Roscoe. Class is now in session. Class is now in session. We welcome back. I'm sorry. <laughs> we welcome back to the uh, show. Our Sam. number one pupil. Our, our number one and only one pupil. That's it. Sandra. Welcome back, Sandy. Sandra's. Oh, Sandy's back. You could say yeah. hello, Sandy. I, I said thanks. I said hello. Oh, hello. 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 All right. Well, for sure. <laughs> if you can't tell, she's from Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, on, on t- I love Minnesota. On today's episode, we are going to cover two topics. First topic is... How to find a group to play D&D with and how to find the right group for you. This could probably be a super long discussion, but honestly, we've touched upon aspects of it already in Raw School. We've touched upon it in Raw and Order. So let's just sort of like look at the nuts and bolts of how you find a group. So there really are several ways. A lot of people hear about D&D like they hear about most cool stuff through word of mouth by super nerdy but awesome people. So... If you're hearing about D&D, if someone shared this podcast with you, who shared it with you? Probably someone who likes D&D. Um, so go use those resources. And even if you don't necessarily want to play with those people, or if those people don't necessarily have a game that you're able to join, it's a great idea to use the resources that you have and ask those people. When I started playing D&D, I had no fucking idea what I was going to do because I didn't know. Any, I knew one person and he didn't live here in Des Moines and I was like, I didn't know him super well. And I was like, this is weird. And he said, Hey, look at like community groups. And I said, well, that's a great idea. So I went to this website called meetup and lo and behold, um, DSM and dragons was a meetup group that had a bunch of amazing people in it. That is how I met Heather. That is how I met Andrew. Who's going to be on um, an upcoming podcast episode of ours. And that's how uh, I got into D&D and that's how I got into my first game. So community groups, especially now during COVID, are a great time to find people. Another option is, I mean, obviously virtual play is something that is was it was big before COVID um, and it's big, even bigger now. Um, There are platforms like Roll20, uh, Fantasy Grounds, um, a bunch of different things that... um, provide on like they call them virtual tabletops and they're platforms that allow you to essentially play D online um and roll 20 actually has a feature where you can go in and find games and like sort of select and drop in on um on a group so in looking in thinking of like ways to find groups obviously talk to people you know don't be ashamed about D because D is awesome and you will know when you find a D head because they'll be like oh God, D&D, let me tell you all about it. And then you know you're with the right people. Um, look at community groups online if 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 you don't know anyone who plays D&D. And check out some of the random drop-in games on Roll20. Um, those are great ways to sort of get your foot in the door. Another amazing option back for when either things are safer to meet in person or if your local game stores do offer um, a safe environment to play um, a lot of game stores and we're talking like 
your your uh, like uh, game and hobby stores. Maybe not hobby is not the right word, but it's like uh, your comic book stores. I'm thinking Mayhem Comics um, in Des Moines and Ames is a great resource, and they host a lot of in-person games. Um, and honestly, you could probably go there and just ask the people, hey, if I wanted to learn about more about D&D or if I wanted to get a group, what would you guys recommend? And like, that would be an amazing resource. You could also buy minis there, paints if you want to get into that aspect, yada, yada, yeah. So a word of wisdom, a word of advice, finding a group to play D&D with is the same as finding a group to do anything else with. You want to make sure you're with people like, like-minded people, that you're all looking for the same experience. So I highly recommend that before you just sort of sign up and join to play a game, talk to the the DM who who is running that game and say, hey, I'm interested in playing in your game. I had a few questions and literally just ask them about all of your concerns. You know, we talked about fears and apprehensions in the previous episode. Um, maybe you'll want to make sure that their group is going to be, um, you know, not touch on certain topics. Um, great. Um, maybe you want a game where there's going to be no relationships, uh, you know, romantic relationships among characters. Okay, fine. Um, you want to make sure that whatever the content is that you're comfortable with it and that it's the game that's suited for you. And any DM who is good at being a DM is going to take the time to answer those questions for you. And they're not going to brush them aside. If they brush your concerns aside, probably not the game for you. Um, but if you find an engaged DM and they answer all your questions and you feel like it's a good fit, go for it. And even if you don't end up playing long-term with that group, you'll likely meet people who you can play with in the future and slowly, but surely your network will grow. So, um, I highly recommend those options. Um, so Sandy, pupil Sandy, do you have any questions for us about the topic of finding a group to play with? Do you have questions, Teacher Joe? Good. Um, Teacher so. Joe. <laughs> it's what Professor. It? Oh, honey. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I thought this was like a welcoming community. Not for you. <laughs> the community is welcoming. We are not. Exactly. Okay. Um, super glad Watch, Sandy's gonna, guys. Sa- Sandy's going to end up being like a phenomenal player. She's going to go on to be like a famous DM. And we're mm-hmm. all going to be like, oh. We should have been nicer to her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, all of these campaigns what? that you guys are not invited. Everybody's invited <laughs> but you. Uh, <laughs> okay. no, actually, that brings um, a question to the mind. Is, is it easy to be a DM without having played a character before? So, like, if you, um, if I find a whole bunch of noobs, is it possible that you start a game, right? right. Or so you're asking, okay, it is possible. Um, now you are already doing extra credit homework. You are yep. beginning to watch Critical Role, which is a great start. There are a lot of live action play um, podcast shows. I mean, Critical One, Critical Role is one of the most famous, but it's by far not the only one. Um, but um, it, I will say it is possible. I think you will ultimately be better at it if you play as a player first um if you want to do a short game like maybe a one shot um or something like that just to get a group together to play and learn more about it um then yeah go for it like uh, of course 
running a trying to plan a long-term campaign is probably not the best for someone who's never played as a character before. Um, however, if you are going to do that, then yeah, you're doing everything right so far. You're watching live action play. You're talking to people, you know, knowledgeable people like us about D and D you're using all the right resources in the library to, to make yourself best positioned to do that. It would be, I think it would be taking on a great responsibility to decide that your first campaign was going to be one where you are the DM. Because I think as we have mentioned on both Raw and Order and Raw School, players are meant to depend a lot on their DMs. So they turn to their DMs for answers more often than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And DMs not only create your universe, but are kind of expected to have uh, a solid to semi-solid understanding of the rules. Obviously, there are situations where even the DM doesn't know and they can just look up the answer. But but or more often to than your not, podcast. you know. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, stop the game. But hold on, guys. Wait a few hours. I gotta listen. I to I think the it's episode seven that Anna <laughs> answers this question. Rewind. No. Um. But but DMs are expected to have that kind of uh, well of knowledge. So starting out. Um, in the D&D world as a DM would be a big, a big responsibility, a big take for you. Um, but that's not what you're going to do since I'm going to be your first DM. But for those of you listening, I would, I would definitely recommend being a player first and Mm -hmm. then a DM. Well, and also just the, 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 the process of creating a character by hand. And it's one of the reasons why I insist from, for me, building your character using a character sheet and not relying on an online program to do it for you is -hmm. because you learn the granular like ins and outs of the rules and what they really mean. And and, like the, the rationale and reasoning and logic behind the rules of character creation by making your own characters. So as I made more characters, I suddenly learned more and more about all of the classes and races and, and everything in D and D. And I felt way more comfortable being able to, make judgment calls and rulings on those issues as they popped up in game. So uh, I I definitely agree. It's probably best to be a player first. Cool. Um, So you had mentioned virtual play. Um, Is that sort of a thing that you can just drop in, play like around, or is that more of a getting a game together, um, like trying to find players for a specific campaign that you kind of join in for a long-term sort of situation um, I guess I just don't really understand how virtual play could really work without it being like a huge commitment and also a like logistical nightmare trying to schedule everybody. When we say virtual play, I think what Joe is referring to is actually just in lieu of playing in person. So it is a commitment to a campaign or at least a one shot. So uh, one session or two or three sessions. Um, and so virtual play isn't anything different than what you would do in person. It just means that it's actually a little bit easier because you can play on with people that aren't just in your city or anything like that. You can, you have like this, you have the world at your disposal. So players that want to get together and play in a campaign together, but they live in, you know, four different States can do that, uh, when, when you have virtual play. Um, and that, that brings up another point about finding a group is that the Twitterverse is like expansive uh, when it comes to tabletop games. And if you are really looking to just like join a bunch of randos because you really want to play and you want some exposure and get, get some like game time, 
go go onto Twitter and just go put, like hashtag TTRPG and then ask who wants to play in a campaign with you because I promise you, you will find players <laughs> out there that want to get together and play virtually with you and set up a game. Um, so if you're uncomfortable, you know, meeting in person with like complete strangers, virtual play is, is the answer um, mm-hmm. for you yeah. to, to still get to play. Yeah. And, and there are all types of, of games of uh, whether it's tabletop games generally or D and D and not all of them require this huge commitment. Um, yes, you're going to have to create a character. Yes, you're going to have to like sort of brush up on the rules. But um, uh, Andrew, who we mentioned earlier, he runs what's called a West Marches campaign. And I, admittedly, I don't know a whole lot about it. But the premise being that there's this world where um, uh, it, there are several... Um, it's this ongoing story, but the the number of people who play at any given time and who plays changes every session. So every session is designed to be sort of an encapsulated one adventure session. And if you can play that day, great. If you can't, no worries. You'll hop in the next week. So you might want to look for something like that where uh, – where the commitment where there's much less of a commitment or like Anna mentioned something like a one shot, which is basically just a one, either a one session or a one small arc type game. So can, is there like a name for that, for that sort of one encapsulated session, whoever's can play on this day. Great. If not your character, yeah, it's, it's like, is it called something? There's a, yeah, there's so it, it's called West Marches. Admittedly, I don't I don't play a whole lot of modules. I only started playing them recently, and so I'm not too familiar with it. But just Google it, D and D West Marches, and oh. it'll it'll explain um, sort of how it all works. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a great option if you're if you're looking for that experience. Um, so is there like a pickup line I'm supposed to say to a group of people like, oh, hey, I'm just feeling like such a paladin today. (laughs) (laughs) And then just like look around the room and see who reacts to that. Yeah. Yeah, Just go to me like, hey, baby, I'm uh, looking for a little uh, D&D, if you know what I mean. I feel like that could backfire. Don't don't say that to strangers, guys. (laughs) Do not go up to two men and say, hey, I'm looking for some D&D. D&D? I've done that, but you, Sandy, you don't, should not do that. <laughs> I mean, you could do whatever you want. I just. You're a married woman. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's what I was implying. I mean, my introduction into the D&D world was a little bit like, like Fight Club. You know, they don't really talk about it. And then Joe just approached me one day and was like, hey, you want to play Dungeons and Dragons? And I was like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, but no, no, there's no particular pickup line. Just being upfront about what you want to do. So if you want to play in a one shot, make sure you clarify that to the group. If you want to play in a campaign, make sure you clarify that to the group and letting the group know about your level of level of experience um, is probably important just so that the DM and the other players know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's my main questions. On awesome. Group that, Cause you already covered a lot of the other ones. So great. Well, then we'll switch to our second topic, which is gear. What do you need to bring to the table? So whether you're playing virtually or you're playing in person, there are a few, there are a few tools of the trade that you at least have to have access to uh, online if you don't have them physically. So I would say that, um, 
your your important gear is going to be your character sheet is probably going to be the number one thing whether you have a physical printed copy or you have access to it on your phone or on a tablet or whatever uh your character sheet contains the most valuable important information about your game right about your character so it it has all the information about um your proficiencies your like the numbers that you're that you have like expertise and proficiency in and we'll we'll break that down for you uh in future episodes but things that we've touched on previously you know like your charisma modifier your intelligence your wisdom stuff like that that affects the roles you make in game it it contains information about how your character specifically what they have expertise or proficiency in what they're good at um And it also contains information about what kind of weapons you have and um, what what damage dice you would roll for weapons. Um, Each each uh, class comes with, you know, abilities that you gain as your character progresses in levels because your character progresses in levels from like one to twenty. Um, and your character sheet will have that information included on it too. So once you get to like level five and suddenly your class of character gets, um, an extra attack, which means that every round you get to attack twice instead of once that will be contained in your character sheet. And you'll know that you can do that because it'll be right there in front of you. Sandy's like pumping her fist in the air. So clearly we need to find her a class that, that gets a monk. extra. Yeah. yeah she wants be to be a, a paladin. So Paladins are fucking awesome. I love yeah. that. On, on TikTok, there's some dude and he was like, like your D&D class based off of your um, astrological sign in Taurus, which is mine, was a paladin. So that's Ooh. just what I'm going to start with. So that's what she's doing. I love it. Paladins are great. Anna's <laughs> first character was a paladin. Yeah. I have a paladin I love. And uh, just, just a brief point tiktok is an amazing resource for dnd i have i do not have tiktok <laughs> i don't neither. really care about tiktok but andy who is who will maybe be on the show one day um but who's gonna play in our harry potter one shot and who i have my other podcast with um he started watching dimension 20 because of stuff he saw on tiktok and on now TikTok? he's hooked on it and i'm like yes bitch <laughs> yeah i now i've been downloading tiktoks so that i can send them to you guys once i actually get the joke <laughs> Um, so they're all saying, I get this but because now. of this, you go. I've gotten a lot of D&D it. TikToks now. And so I keep having to save more and more videos. So That's amazing. Very nice. Well, in addition to your character sheet, um, I would also either be very familiar with or have a copy of your background. Um, so what that means is that before you start playing a game, your DM will ask you to create a backstory for your character, just essentially like, what's the history of this character? How did they end up in the place that we're starting our campaign? What kind of relationships do they already have, uh, with, with other, um, either existing characters or made up people that, um, you know, the DM can possibly integrate into the campaign down the road. Um, so having a familiarity with your backstory, if not having a copy of it with you is very helpful. Um, next, I would say that dice is the next <laughs> most important thing that you absolutely, absolutely have to have. If you play virtually, it's, and you don't have physical dice, that's okay, because there are, there are programs that you can just roll your dice, um, no matter what kind of dice it is. Um, more often than not, you can buy a set of dice, and it usually comes with seven different dice. 
um, which which we'll talk about down the road. But essentially, it's a 20-sided die, a 12-sided die, two 10-sided dies, dice, uh, <laughs> one 8-sided die, uh, a 6-sided die, and then a 4-sided die. That's right. Yeah, and it looks like a little pyramid. Um, and those are usually contained in like one set of dice that you can buy online. If you go onto like Amazon or somewhere and just get like a bunch of cheap dice, that's totally fine for your mm -hmm. first campaign. You know, you just get like a bunch of like, you can get, honestly, I think I bought like a five pack <laughs> for like less than $20 off Amazon for my first round. Cause I was just like, I just need dice. It's typically very helpful to have more than one set with you. You can, you can do it with one set. If you just want to, like a little taste, you don't want to make a bunch of investment into this, um, you can absolutely do it with just one set. But typically it's very helpful to have more than one set because occasionally you'll see that um, like for damage rolls, you'll have to roll 2d6 or 2d8 or something like that. And then instead of having to roll the same die twice, you can just roll both of them together and add the number. So dice are probably the next important thing um, to bring to the table. Uh, and then things that you can bring and are helpful to bring, but not necessarily necessary, are, um, I would say, the player's handbook, especially if you are doing a, ca a class um, that has magic, because there are a lot of spells um, that you will either have to learn ahead of time or familiarize yourself with, which I very much encourage, but in-game... You know, if you're like, shoot, I forgot what Divine Favor does, you can just flip to the back, back of your player's handbook uh, and you can look up that spell. Um, there's also various, I mean, it's the, it's the handbook, right? So like pretty much all the rules of the game are contained in that handbook. And if there's ever a question, it's good to have that handy. Um, but if you're playing virtually and you don't want to have buy the physical player's handbook that's okay because a, most if not all of that information is available online mm -hmm. through like dnd wiki dot and, and other resources so you'll be okay um and then other things that are helpful to bring to the table um i always bring a notebook um it's very very helpful to be able to take notes during your campaign yes sandy is holding up a beautiful <laughs> notebook that she has already gotten ready for our campaign oh my God. Um, it's very helpful to be able to take notes, especially less so for one shots, but especially if you're going to do like a long campaign because you meet so many NPCs, so many plot things happen, so many narrative points happen that are kind of important to the cohesive overall arch or arc of your story. And uh, yeah, I know. I don't know why I said arch. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the arc of your story and the overarching narrative points. There you go. Bring it up um, back. Yep, there it is. That it, it, it is very, very helpful to be able to uh, kind of write that stuff down. I would also say that um, make sure if you have a physical copy of your uh, character sheet that you bring a pencil with you. Mm -hmm. um, because when you mark down, you know, how many spell slots have I used? Um, how many hit points, which is your like life bar essentially how many hit points have i lost how many hit dice have i used and we'll explain what all of these terms mean but essentially there are things that change um between each what we call a long rest um and you have to keep track of that like 
numerical stuff. And so it's really easy to just mark it down in pencil on your sheet and then be able to erase it when you clear out the day. So uh, a pencil is definitely a good tool, part of your gear that you should be bringing. Um, if you play with a with your character sheet, like on your tablet or something, still good to have a pencil and the notebook so that you can keep track of all your stats and all your numbers um, to be able to track how you're doing. And then um, for some people, uh, they also bring minis. So minis are like little 3D printed uh, plastic little figurines yeah. of, your, of your characters. Um, these can be... Um, just like store-bought or they, there are places where you can personalize them to actually match what you imagine your particular character looking like. These are in no way required to play. Um, if you're playing in person, they are more required than if you're playing <laughs> online, obviously. <laughs> um, but if you're playing in person, it's actually like a great, thing to have um and your some dms may require them if you play in person because you take part in on like a map so knowing where your character is and in relation to that and uh some of the times when you're in like combat and stuff you can only move so far so you have like you know 30 feet or 40 feet or whatever and it helps to have like that visual representation of a miniature that you can actually move so you know how where you are in relation to other creatures and other people and how far you have moved so minis are another thing and then the most important thing to bring with you absolutely number one most important thing your imagination <gasps> you knew i was doing that right you oh she's pulling a face like she's disgusted with me but whatever <laughs> fuck you sandy yeah fuck you <laughs> your sir. imagination that is absolutely like so 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 important though like this is this happens 80 percent in your mind right mm -hmm. like 95 percent in your mind honestly so yeah. yeah like leave your like I'm self-conscious about being weird, insecure about this accent, whatever, at the door and just come and like be ready to play and have a great time. And I think all my covers... insecurities right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that covers all the gear you got to bring to the table unless Joe uh, thinks I'm missing anything. Not missing anything. Um, I, I think you hit everything and more. Um, what I will say, Cindy, for you, is we will actually provide you as our pupil, we will provide you with a custom character sheet designed for the class that you're playing. I am a huge nerd and I actually, you, I, I bought a set of character sheets um, uh, from DMs Guild, which is a, a great resource that has a lot of stuff on it. And I then bought for like a hundred dollars a PDF editing program just so that I could <laughs> edit the PDF. And then I expanded it from two pages to three pages I mean, I'm, I get really into the character <laughs> sheets. I like to have every fucking thing I need in my character sheet. And I don't re like relying on online programs like D and D beyond. If right. you do, that's fine. It's wonderful. It's fun to use. I just prefer the paper copy. So we're going to provide that to you. Um, the only, because other you'll be building your character with us. So, right. Um, the only other thing I would say is that in addition to having the player's handbook, um, or whatever whatever books you need for the subclass or you're using right. and the spells you use. I use an app called 5e Spellbook on my phone. I have Android. There's similar versions for Apple. 
beyond helpful. I mean, yes, you can sit there and flip through a book and look for a spell or Google it quickly, but to have it broken down by class, by spell mm-hmm. level in, in a, in an easy to read format is priceless. I will never remember all of the nuances of a spell. I always will be ch- constantly on my phone checking things and people think I'm like, on my phone, but I'm really just looking up spells. <laughs> so uh, highly recommend looking into that if that's an option. And yeah, all this stuff is 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 whatever is most comfortable for you. I started out with um, with just a, a two sided character sheet and a pencil. Then I started doing a binder filled with all of my character sheets and dry erase <laughs> things. And now I just use a laptop and I have this. Uh, I have a uh, uh, a PDF of my character sheet and I edit the PDF as I play. So if I lose hit points, I retype the hit points. I click spell slots on and off and I do everything from there. So that's a lot of info, Sandy. Do you have any questions? Well, I really wanted to like start this one. Like I really wanted to ask the question, like what does one need to, uh, when, what does one need to simply join a campaign? But, uh, you covered that. So that was like my big (laughs) question. Um, I guess like, Based off of what you guys have said, what have you found to be the easiest way to kind of manipulate the character sheets? Like if I want to just throw myself out there into doing a whole bunch of like different like one shots with random people, is it best to just kind of like get a dry erase with character sheets that I could just erase and be done and like start afresh or something like that? Or is um, like you had mentioned your laptop, is that something that's more efficient to use or should it just kind of do what works and then kind of see what ends up working best for you. If you want to play the same character and race and the same like uh, character, I don't know what I'm saying. If you want to play the same character in multiple campaigns and one shots, then just creating the one character sheet and taking a pencil with you and just erasing things as you go. That's, that's perfectly fine. If you want to be able to um, expand and play multiple characters and play multiple classes and races, which is a really good time and a really great way to learn the D&D universe, uh, just creating one character sheet is not going to be sufficient. Um, the character sheets will like physically look different depending on what kind of class and race you pick because some of them will be magic users, some of them won't. Uh, your abilities are different and... The way that the like the sheet looks will be different depending on what class and race that you choose. So that's why Joe, I mean, has these like customized, (laughs) (laughs) extremely like customizable sheets um, that he provides for me every time I create a character. (laughs) Uh, So and I didn't even know that's like not just like how they came and that Joe is just like really extra and and has these. When I multi-class, when I multi-class a character, I will create a new cl- a new character sheet that combines the elements of both that mm-hmm. I need. So I will spend hours just editing and I love it. Editing this. I don't know if there's a job out there editing PDFs. <laughs> I want to do it, but um, uh, it's great. And I would say you, you can use one. I would recommend having a new character sheet for every, every time you play a character in, with a new group. So yeah. if it's just a one shot, that's fine. You could reuse a character sheet if you're using the same the same character but if you're in two campaigns playing the same character well that character is going to be at different levels in both campaigns they're going to have different hp they're going to they might you might choose different abilities or different subclasses for those characters in different campaigns so you'll want a character sheet for each and i find that doing it 
using using a PDF that I can just save at the end of the session and open it up and be exactly where I was before and, you know, save it with a title like, you know, Bob level one, this campaign and always use that same character sheet uh, and just edit as I go. I find that to be the by far the easiest method, whether it's playing virtually or playing in person. Yeah, and I I have most of my character sheets um, both physically printed so that I can access them really quickly. And I have them on my tablet so that I mark off like the numerical data on my tablet and then I can just clear it out if I need to or leave it as is so that next time when I play, I know exactly where I am. So I I prefer the like combination because sometimes I'll I'll make a roll and like my tablet will have gone dark and instead of like turning it back on, I'll just quickly grab my physical sheet and and look at what the modifier is, but uh, whatever works best for you. I agree with Joe, actually. Like, if you're going to play the same character at the same time in multiple campaigns, then definitely having separate character sheets for those campaigns is is going to work much better for you. Um, and then, so we've got all of this stuff at the game, like at the game table. Is there, like, lots of pauses then that just happens naturally in play when you're, like, looking up things? Or is there, like, special etiquette as to like, oh, this person's doing something, I can quick look this up and like, that's fine. Or I'm supposed to be paying attention to this now. Um, like, or is it just is their etiquette? There, that is a fantastic question, yeah. I would say, because there absolutely is table etiquette. And I would say that, um, especially when you're in combat, uh, there is something that you roll called initiative, which determines the order in which your characters, uh, fight right so like only one person can claim their action and describe what's happening at a time so you take turns all in the span of like six seconds that's what you're pretending the whole thing is a round is six seconds Mm -hmm. but what what etiquette (laughs) states is that you know if you're third in that list then you're looking at your character sheet you're looking at where you are um on the map and you are deciding what action or bonus action or whatever you are going to do when it comes to your turn so that you're not holding up the process right. by when it gets to, you're like, Oh, okay, let me see what, what's my weapon. Where am I? Who's near me? Mm-hmm. You do that while the game is going so that when it comes to your turn, battle and combat move quicker. Yeah. Combat is, is by the nature of the beast. Combat is very slow. Even the most simple combats usually take about an hour and that's just right because so many turns and people have questions and things come up. So especially if you're a new player, don't worry about it too much because your DM's going to know that and um, they're going to help you through it and it'll be fine. Um, But in general, you always want to be engaged. I mean, obviously throughout the entire game, but through combat, especially because you want to know every turn that happens, the DM could throw new enemies at you. A player could cast a spell that completely changes what the battlefield looks like. Um, some you, you could just, you could get an idea and say, Oh my God, I just had this idea. I want to completely change what I was going to do. So you constantly want to be aware of what the battlefield, what's going on in the battlefield and how you are going to contribute when your turn comes around. Um, and that's just something that you get better at over time, mm-hmm. but you can absolutely like, yes, you should be looking stuff up on other people's turns. Um, that's your time to do your homework really. And then when it's your turn, you say, okay, 
I want to do this DM. Can I do this? Whatever. And they'll say, yeah, sure. Or no, you can't. Or maybe you want to like move another character. So you ask them, okay, on my turn, I want to run to you, Bob, do you mind if I move your character? And they'll say, oh no, you can. So then you push their character or something like that. Um, So you can absolutely ask questions and talk and talk things through on your turn, but you don't want to sit there. Like Anna said, and just be like, um, okay. I know. I mean, um, like you should really have a sense of like what you Mm want to do. Yeah, having a sense of what your character can do before you go into this is great. Yeah. No one expects you to do that when you first start playing D&D. And I promise you that they'll be patient with you as you learn the ins and outs of your character's abilities. But coming prepared enough so that you you are asking the right questions and can have like a basic understanding of what your next step is, is very helpful. Yeah. Um, And then you guys mentioned a lot, and I have heard a lot of commercials about the deck of many things. Is that (laughs) a, is, I guess I'm I'm confused as to whether or not it's um, like an actual thing in the game or if it's just like. (laughs) That's the graduate program. Don't worry about it. That's advanced. That's like, (laughs) that's like an SJD. Um, The deck, so the deck of many things is a magic item that a, that a, dm can introduce into a game and like basically you you pull a card from it and something happens either something really 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 good can happen something really 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 bad can happen and everything in between and it is a very high level rare item i've never played in a game where there's been a deck Um, we just happen to have a friend that we play with who um he decided to sell one um game master's merchant you can buy the deck of many things check etsy um but uh uh uh, you do not have to worry about that whatsoever. Um, the DM, if a DM creates an item or introduces something into the game, they are going to have all the materials that they need, or they're going to talk to you about, you know, w- what you'll need. Okay. I just saw on TikTok again that there was a duck of many things, and they cracked <laughs> the egg. <laughs> and, like, that was, like, pulling the card. And so I was, like, I wasn't sure if that then means that it was, like, something that commonly occurs no in the players players don't need to worry about that right it yeah. is i've only ever seen it done twice well once was in a, a recent dimension 20 episode and it was a modified deck of many things um that only one character pulled cards from the other which is probably the most famous use of it is in campaign one of critical role where i won't spoil it if you want to watch it but one of the characters at the very end like towards the very end of the campaign pulls a card and it happens to be a very very unfortunate card and uh let's just say it it, it ends up spurring this whole one shot that happens as a result of it and it was uh it was a lot of fun but you don't have to worry about that okay well that was my last question on stuff yay awesome thank you sandy for joining us yes third episode of raw school we'll have you back lots and lots and lots and lots yeah i can't wait to start getting into that we're cl- we're coming down to character creation now so mm-hmm. we gotta we gotta sort out this paladin so oh, i know excited. right yeah Taurus like so paladin because of tiktok because of tiktok <laughs> all right well class is dismissed <laughs>